Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. It's July the 4th. You just had yourself a nice sausage on the grill. You got a little buzz going. It's nighttime. You're seeing the fireworks green, blue, purple. It's loud. It's giving you flashbacks of your time in Vietnam. Other than that, what are the positive things about the United States of America that you're thinking about? Well, first of all, I'm always thinking about wieners, wieners, and more wieners. So I'm probably (laughs) thinking about my next hot dog. And am I going to use spicy mustard or honey Dijon? And it's always spicy because honey Dijon's gross. But after that, I as I'm enjoying I only just think regular mustard sucks. But honey Dijon, I fuck that, with that, Yeah, you think that stinky yellow French is just, it's just that. Yeah, if you just have a, yeah. like, yeah, with the yellow crust on it. But I also want to point out that if you put that sound effect to anything, it automatically makes it terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a, diarrhea. It's yeah, it's like it's automatically. What about that little yellow water that comes up before the real, you're like, fuck, you have to like do an experimental, like you have to do the initial squeeze of it on like, just like a napkin or something just to be like, I don't want that wet shit on my dog. <laughs> what I'm really thinking about, we're kind of getting back to basics in the country. I think, I think we're feeling a little more 50s, 60s. We're feeling some post-war prosperity. And what I mean by that is we're trying to reignite some Cold War action. And to me, that's as American as all the wieners that I'm eating. And I love that. I have to be Dude, thankful for that, Marcus. It's like throw in some fucking more wieners, throw in some apple pie with a nice slice of American cheese. Fuck that cheddar bullshit, that highfalutin cheddar. I want to craft single. I'm with you there completely, Danny. I'm glad we're on the same wavelength because I was thinking like all this shit, like the war on terror, you know, the war on drugs, all these fake ass wannabe cold wars have been shit they have been shit they have been spin-offs to the classic cold war and now we're finally getting to the legit sequel the fast and furious sequel to the cold war cold war 2 starring china featuring russia instead of before where russia had the starring role now you have a dual villain like all the best batman movies the first one was just joker but once you get two villains working together it's way more exciting it's way more fun so i am too thinking about that when i'm having a nice big wiener betwixt my gums Today's episode of Ripe for Plunder. I am Marcus. And I am Danny. And it is, ooh, it's good to be back, Marcus. It's good. It's been a long while. We took a big old break because unlike other podcasters, um, we have real jobs. We have to work for a living. Yeah. We've got to put food on the table for our children 
and our children's children, whereas these other podcasters, they're just having a good old time. Patreon, thousands of dollars, eating fucking sushi and fucking (laughs) Gruner Vetliner all day. (laughs) You know, they have all the time in the world to do two ones a week. Well, we're not doing that. We have jobs. So this is why eventually. Yep. And we have partners to satisfy. Yes, totally. Yeah. A ton. And they love it. Uh, Danny's got his wife. And I have a harem of um, human traffic. Eastern European wives who don't consider them that. Yes, exactly. I'm in heaven. I've died and gone to heaven. <laughs> this is this is from the from the other realm. I'm doing this great podcast beyond. with Danny. Yeah, we're, we're on some Beetlejuice shit. But anyway, so the second Cold War. We've kind of talked a little bit about it, but we're gonna definitely get in a little deeper because we were thinking about what would be good to talk about July the fourth. And I think it's good to talk about the fact that we're maybe not repeating history, but as Marky Mark Twain would say, we are rhyming with history. We're trying to go back to the bad old days. I feel like we're not in the right world. We're in the Nelson Nelson Mandela effect, crazy, bizarre, fucked up world where Everything horrible just keeps on happening. Is that the feeling you get? I do. You're talking about some darkest timeline stuff, right? Exactly. I think we're in the 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 community episode where we went to the one where the the, the apartment went on fire and uh, Joel McHale lost an eye. That's the universe yeah, exactly. we're living in, right? Now. Exactly. Britta's hair is colored. Yeah, everything is is pretty terrible. Yeah, everything sucks. But um, there was this wonderful article. It's called. Media applaud the new Cold Wars, but could U.S. be more aggressive, please? I think he's being a little sarcastic. Or or maybe or, there was like a, yeah, no, he definitely, you know, it's not like he tried to say progressive and it went to auto-correct in it. I was like, is this going to be like a slapstick article? But it's really good and it's, you know, you know, he has some humor to it. It's by Gregory Chopak. It's a wonderful article. Everybody should read it. We're just going to read a little bit of the beginning and a little bit of the end just to apply what's happening now to what's happened in the past, if you dig what I'm saying, I if dig. that's yeah, that so <laughs> that jives. I I I ain't on some turkey shit, dude. This is this is the real truth. So yeah, I'm just gonna read a little bit of this article. So let us go. This is Gregory Shupak. U.S. media are fixing, and he does fixing. There's no G. He's he's getting colloquial with it. He's, he's one of us. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. U.S. media are fixing for a fight with China, Russia, or both. Commentary on the recent G7 and NATO summits, as well as President Joe Biden's meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin, was replete with examples of news outlets praising the Biden administration for ramping up new cold wars with China and Russia and criticizing it for not being even more aggressive as it propagandized about the U.S. supposedly fighting for democracy. This coverage betrayed a total indifference to the potential cost of these hostilities. A Wall Street editorial explicitly praised Democrats and Republicans for escalating the possibility of a nuclear war. A bipartisan consensus, this is a quote from the, the Wall Street Journal article, a bipartisan consensus is forming that accepts and capitalizes on President Trump's 2019 exit from the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, INF. This is good news for American security. End of quote. But 
this is one of the things that we've been going back to, or, or I think, or maybe it's other people that we've talked to about this. The idea is like everybody hates Trump about like frivolous shit, but when it's like about war with him being aggressive and belligerent to other countries, that's when the U.S. media and Western media is like, okay, Trump, I disagree a lot with the guy, but this is the day he became president. When he bombed Syria, when he bombed Afghanistan, that's when they're not not a peep of criticism from uh, the media elite. They're like, this is fine. We just don't like him being rude and boorish and giving right. Big Macs to a high school basketball team. That's where he's wrong, but not as far as like... Yeah, in, in terms of bombing. Well, I was just going to say, first of all, Big Macs should be given to all high schoolers all the time. That's the radish. Totally. For sure. But it's, it's, it's also just fucked up. And I think the article goes into it a little bit about how there's all, all this um, all this coded language talking about like American security, for example, really just means sort of the right to invade who we see fit and to overthrow uh, who we see fit whenever possible. So and that's, I guess, the stuff that Trump was really bad at was sort of uh, the encoded stuff, whereas Biden talks about, you know, being like tough on Putin or something like that. What that really means is just, you know, it translates to sanctions, for example. Exactly. It's sort of like they want you to be the the quiet, polite bully. Like you're doing all the horrible actions, but just don't up and up and say it. Say we're going to do this because we want their oil or we should kill the families of terrorists. You're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to just do it and be like, I wish we didn't do it. That wasn't our intention. That he sort of he he sort of yeah. gave up the game pretty much. And uh, just real exactly. quick to end, end on the, the first part of it, is the INF Treaty between Washington and Moscow banned all nuclear and non-nuclear missiles with short and medium ranges, except sea-launched weapons. The journal, Wall Street Journal, argued that the INF constrained a U.S. nuclear buildup while China was free to develop its nuclear arsenal. Yet China has an estimated total of 320 nuclear warheads, less than 6% of the size of the U.S.'s 5,800 warhead nuclear arsenal. And that was data given by the nation, which is... I mean, doesn't that uh, treaty seem like a good idea to not get into war? But no, that's a sign of weakness. I can't even believe we did that in the first place. Disgusting, uh, honestly. Yeah, it's like, what kind of pussy shit is that? Nevertheless, the journal's editors want the U.S. government to pursue the means for nuclear holocaust even more voraciously than it has. The 2022... Biden defense budget, they write, doesn't let the INF restrain the U.S., but doesn't take as much advantage of the post-INF possibilities as it should. They go on to argue, this is WJS or whatever, WSJ? I don't know. I, I don't know why I did that. You guys remember the WB? That was a lot of fun. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest failing is that the budget doesn't fulfill the Marines' 96 million requests to buy 48 Tomahawk missiles, part of the Corps' proof of concept for a more versatile force in and around Pacific Islands. That could suggest some remaining skittishness in the Biden Pentagon about putting ground-launched weapons with significant range into actual use. Fucking Biden Pentagon. Why is he soft shit? 
<laughs> such a fucking coward. He won't even fucking bomb just one time. Yeah, dude. Don't be like, what's the deal? I thought you were supposed to be tough on crime. Yeah, you're. What? What's this skittishness? Uh, what are you a chihuahua? I thought you had like big cool dogs. You know, <laughs> I didn't know you were a chihuahua. What's like a, a poodle? What? What's going on over here? You're one of those shaky dogs. I thought you had aggressive, big old mutts that barked and bit people. Right, and we have all the justification that we could ever, first of all, the U.S. need no justification. We have all the sort of justification we could ever want to have ground troops advance anywhere. It's like, uh, you know, Russia's a threat to, like, um, I don't know, security of elections or something, and we need to do some Cold War shit. And it's like, yeah. well, China's, you know, massacring Muslims and stuff like that. We got to, uh, I mean, we've always been about human rights. Like we fucking love Muslims here. We we haven't murdered by far more Muslims than any other nation. Yeah. We don't incarcerate anybody. What are you fucking talking about? Yeah. We don't have legalized slavery through the prison industrial complex. And we haven't just fucking put a bunch of like Muslims, both in domestically and other countries, in a meat grinder because of the war on terror and put them into fucked up, dirty, disgusting prisons where we've murdered and raped them uh we have sorry i need to i need to start stop chortling after i say stuff horrible but uh it's a nervous (laughs) tick what can i say i just you gotta laugh if you don't cry let's not get bogged down into the war on terror we're talking cold war war on terror that that was a spinoff that did paled in comparison but just to finish off the first segment our our author greg that's what i call him finishes off this segment by saying the cataclysmic consequences of human life and the environment of putting such weapons into actual use apparently does not merit the paper's contemplation. But a typical modern nuclear weapon can flatten the downtown of an entire city, burn everything flammable in an area at least four miles across, while the burning cities could inject enough soot and smoke into the stratosphere to blot out the sun, dramatically disrupt the climate, ruin the crop production, and put billions of people at risk of starvation. And he got that data from a progressive article. And I just want to say to all these people think, oh, fallout, nuclear war, that'll be a lot of fun. You know, they're going to be Mad Max vibes. They get to run around with guns, find an abandoned grocery store, eat all the Pop-Tarts I want. No, it's not that fun. It's not going to be a fun zombie land fallout sort of apocalypse it's going to be horrible it's going to be shit yeah it's going to be lesions and you know too much diarrhea or not being able to have any diarrhea it's going to be terrible all over and with vomiting blood yeah vomiting blood and like you know you're losing your femur or something like that which we all need and love (laughs) what's what's super fucked up (laughs) is that if you don't when you're talking about stuff like like if we're talking about like a full-on nuclear war or something like that the people who are in a position to enact it are not thinking, either not thinking about any fallout. They're just thinking sort of bottom line oriented in terms of dollars and maybe what, what our human cost of life is like us troops. But the idea that they're thinking about something like um, something ecological is kind of laughable. And it's like, it, it, it seems so low on their list, but it's the thing that affects everybody the most deeply, you know, like the Arctic circle, the ground temperature hit, I think it was two or three days ago. 118 degrees and a year ago it hit 100 degrees for the first time and that was the highest recorded temperature ever and what's so fucked up about all this stuff is that and this is like specific i think it's probably maybe you could 
correct me, Marcus, but the U.S. news cycle at the very least, maybe the world news cycle, moves in such a way that instead of like these things registering as like catastrophes, um, they they end up registering as like incremental and sort of inconsequential. Like it's just another thing that you read as you're scrolling through your fucking Apple feed or something like that, and they don't they don't sort of get the merit they they deserve as a devastating preventable occurrence you know what i mean like it just becomes another thing you ingest and you do that for 20 years and suddenly half the coastlines have eroded or something like that and you're like when did this happen but i thought we were doing stuff about this <laughs> no but i do not, not disagree with you i think that's a very astute observation i would say uh there's sort of this jerry seinfeld bit i remember way back in the day by the way this is a pro seinfeld podcast I don't care what kind of, unless, you know, it really came out, he did something really fucked up. But, I mean, he's done, you know, he did have a 17-year-old girlfriend, which was not very cool. But anyway, he's obviously not a saint, but love the show, Seinfeld. Love his early stand-up. But he had this bit about, like, what is the deal? No, he didn't say what is the deal. But uh, he was talking about newspapers, and he was like, how is it that, all the news of one day fits exactly into newspaper form. Like, why is that? That's exactly the amount. It's not a giant phone book like newspaper of everything that's happened. It's just, it has to reach this certain amount of pages and it's perfectly like, you know, I'm obviously paraphrasing. I, it's not like I'm just listening to Jerry Seinfeld all the time, but you reminded <laughs> me of it. I know you are. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, this guy still got it. Somebody who's non-political, or doesn't care about shit because he doesn't. He said it several times. He doesn't care no, about definitely. The, yeah. the sad things that happens in the world. But I thought it was a pretty good observation. And the reason why it's only a certain amount and it's got these, you know, a little bit from here, a little bit of there is because they decide what's newsworthy. And a lot of the stuff that's truly newsworthy, you know, about all the fucked up things the U.S. government does or what multinational corporations do isn't covered for a reason. And they pick petty trivial news about personalities or you know they'll be like bernie's not doesn't have the left has gone too left for even bernie or stuff like that or donald trump is just such a rudy patootie could you believe he was mean to a veteran stuff like that they make us concerned with stuff that we're instantly f- gonna forget it's sort of like fast food news we're talking about big macs even though i'm more of a double por- quarter pounder kind of guy um <laughs> like it's that sort of it sort of feeds the amnesia of America. It's like don't concern yourself with the things that actually matter, and that would have you sort of put it put things in a, a historical context and sort of give you a broader understanding of why things are happening the way they are. They don't want you to. They want you to have little snippets here and there and instantly forget about it. Be up in arms about one thing forget about it yeah. and then there's this new thing it's sort of like it's not only the profit mode but it's like whatever what's going to disrupt one of the revenue streams for our newspaper or cable show like you know are we going to shit on we're, are we going to talk about exxon valdez giant civil case for like destroying the environment in like south america right. are we going to talk about that when that's going to upset you know our advertisers or even car companies they're all connected so it's all yeah. They give you what we want to like. You're not getting a smorgasbord of information. It's like, like again, what Jerry Seinfeld, uh, the, a prophet, would say. We only get two options. You're either getting a shitty lasagna, 
or a chicken cutlet, or you could just get the salad if you're vegetarian. That that's all they're giving you. They're not giving you anything you want. You're in the air. That's you're getting fed in the air. That's all we're giving to you. That's the same thing with the media. Yeah, exactly. And it's all it's all just like airline food, pre-digested, so that you don't really have to think about it. It just slides down the throat, and you're just as long as you don't struggle, everybody's happy. And I think what's you made an interesting point, Marcus. And this is not an anti-media tirade, like, but but there's a, but there's a lot of things that should be kind of anti-media, specifically like their ties with you know uh, power players and big money and shit like that, like when they're just the propaganda arm of something. But what's so wild is that a lot of these things will pop up, like the, the Surfside collapse, for example. You know where there's like there's a huge death toll. It's the you know the condo in Miami that collapsed recently, and I think it's like there's 159 people that are still missing. And at this point, they're just dead. There's no way to survive beyond that. Even if they were surviving initially, three days of no water or, or losing air, you're just not going to make it. But the way that that was presented is, holy shit, look at this. This condo just suddenly fucking came crashing down in Miami. Who could believe such a thing would happen? When, yeah. uh, you, you know, you go back a little bit and it's like, okay, well, in 2018, the contractors came by and they were like, hold on. All the rebar in the concrete is all fucked up and rusty from seawater because you guys don't give a shit. And they're just like, that sounds like <laughs> that sounds like a problem for tomorrow. We're on island <laughs> time. I don't, I don't give a fuck about this. But even worse than that is you've got um, it's the American Society for Civil Engineers. It's basically they give the U.S.'s infrastructure across the board kind of grades according to how how good or bad they are. And for the last twenty years. We've been in D territory, and the worst grade you can get is a D minus, and we've been either D or D plus. And it's only in the past year that we've broken a C, but that it just points out how dismal things are. And what it paints is not this freak occurrence of a condo collapsing, but this larger thing of we're going to have way more catastrophes just like this. And that's another thing I'm thankful for in America that we, you know, our catastrophes are homegrown. Thank you very much. We don't need any outside interference from another. Uh, but Anna, they don't put it in the, the, the context of climate change either. They don't want to talk Not about that. Is that Florida is no. going to be fucked because of climate change. But yeah. that's a really good point. And I just want to end off because I'm not trying to read this guy's full article. We're going to obviously put a link in the description of the show so that you could read the whole article. Everybody, read more. That's that's what the lamestream media wants you to just eat up all their CNN fake New York Times lying crimes for just nickel and dimes. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I, was just, I just wanted to do some slam poetry. <laughs> yeah. I'm the scat man. You heard it here first. Uh, he ends the article, um, our boy Greg, by talking about this New York Times article, talking about all the human rights uh, violations of Russia. And, you know, that's the whole thing. Joe Biden's being strong and muscular about human rights in other countries. He's not taking all this nonsense anymore, but uh, our boy, he talks about all the horrible crimes that is committed here in the United States. And he calls back his fair, the founder of the website fair Jeff Cohen, who wrote in a Solana article back in uh, not too long ago, but on June 22nd, there is no more precious human right than the right to be free from jail or prison. So it's a human rights violation of epic proportions that the United States has more than 2 million people incarcerated, way more than any other country. End quote on Cohen. And then he wraps this up by saying, there's also the human right to not be shot to death by the police, 
but more than 5,000 Americans have died that way since 2015. These extrajudicial killings are also discriminatory. Black people are 140% and Latinx people are 80% more likely to be killed by police violence than whites. The U.S. tortures migrant children. It executed 17 people last year, 22 years before that, and has been the only country in the Americas to execute anybody for 12 years running. The U.S. government, of course, also habitually curtails thousands of humans' rights by invading their countries and killing them. Nothing in the New York Times articles pointing out Russia's human rights violations uh, betrayed a concern for such rights violations, which, unlike anything that happens in Russia, his audience might actually be able to affect. That's you guys. We can do this. We can As, do it. You know, yeah. As Max Blumenthal says, uh, regime change begins at home. So that's what I think. That's There's so much more to this article, but I think that's the main thing is like the media is beating the drums of war with other countries saying, hey, let's get tough with these guys. They're doing all these crimes. They're not, they don't, they're authoritarians. They're torturing these people. But no, none of these countries is as bad uh, internationally, definitely as bad as the U.S. And also, we're also trash domestically as far as, oh, you know, legalizing yeah. slavery and, you know, just extrajudicially murdering black people for, for roaming into neighborhoods they shouldn't be, you know. We do we do lynches by gunfire these days. So I thought that, that it's a great article, and I think that's what we should be thinking about July the 4th, is that all the rhetoric we talk about, democracy, freedom, liberty, we are the opposite that we are the slave masters of the world we are the terrorists of the world we have a giant yeah. gun or i should say nuclear arsenal aimed at every fucking country that looks at us crossways and we're like we will drop this bomb if need be and if not we're gonna do these coups we're gonna do these we're gonna orchestrate these coups where we could just bomb you send our drones we could do whatever we want because we're in charge, we have the most power, and all that matters is the ethics of the barrel of the gun. What are you gonna fucking do about it, chump? Yeah, That's us. We're, 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 we're dirty Harry if dirty Harry was a criminal. <laughs> I mean, which yeah, kind of was, but <laughs> but no, we're but, for sure. We're, it's a might makes right kind of thing. Mm-hmm, exactly. It's like what and I don't need to fucking justify this. My gun, my sword is at your throat. What are you gonna well, do? It's either life or death, buddy. That's the thing. When you're judge, jury, and executioner, and you have, you know, the UN on your side, and even if you don't have them on your side, what the fuck are they gonna do? Because you still have the bigger sword or the bigger gun. And I feel like a good a good litmus test or good rule of thumb is if the United States starts talking about a cause in a different country where there's some kind of human rights violation or there is some kind of, um, I mean, the U.S. throws around the term authoritarian all the time. And I don't think that word means exactly what they think it means because we're authoritarians, like our government is authoritarian. But, but anything that has any kind of um, like socialist bent or something, obviously they're like, these are fascists. But anytime something like that pops up, you should just instantly be skeptical. In fact, you shouldn't be skeptical. You should just think the worst. You should think that the U.S. is like some kind of fucking pervert sitting at a dinner table around a bunch of people. We get our food in front of us and we fucking nose around and we put our fingers in it. We're like, what this casserole is fucking <laughs> shitty. I fucking hate this. And then they reach over into your casserole, which you were enjoying there, and they fuck up your casserole and they're like, uh, your casserole looks shitty too, but you know what? Let me get it over here and let me take a peek. 
and suddenly everybody's dinner is ruined and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a very good metaphor. And I would say even, or it's like that, or some guy, you know, a rude party guest, he's putting his fingers everything. How hot is this? Just sticking his hand in there. And then the host is like, you know what? I think you should leave, man. You're, you're, you're ruining the evening. And he's like, what? What? Yeah, exactly. Fuck you. Like, and then he comes and he leaves and he gets all his boys. And then they break in and they just massacre everybody yeah, exactly. in the dinner party. <laughs> and then they and leave just like, one person. They leave one person and they're like, hey, next dinner party, somebody says some shit like that to me. You just saw what happens. That's going to happen again. I better be invited the next fucking <laughs> dinner party. <laughs> even worse, they're just like, they go in and they're like, they leave one person alive and they're just like, dude, we just saved you from this shitty cold casserole. Go and tell all your <laughs> friends. That we fucking protect the dinner parties. If you ever bring a fucking cold casserole or a soggy fucking funnel cake to my house or something like that, I'm going to fuck up your life. <laughs> <laughs> we liberated this dinner party exactly. of, of not hot enough cuisine. <laughs> I'm going to go write a newspaper article about how fucking rad we were by saving everybody <laughs> from this cold fucking... Yeah, it's like, it's like a... a a Jonestown massacre kind of thing, almost. It's super fucked. Definitely. Well, speaking of temperatures, Danny, cold casseroles, what about mm. the Cold War that these guys are trying to redo? Like, what was the first Cold War? What is a Cold War anyway? It just sounds like you're dealing with somebody passive-aggressive, like your mother-in-law, being like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to snap off on her, but I'm definitely going to be snide with her, and she's yeah. going to know. Like, it seems, a Cold War seems harmless, but the fact is that the Cold War wasn't just a cold war it was a cold war between two nation states against each other but it was also a series of real wars like korea and vietnam and just massacres that we funded and coups that ended with a lot of there's a lot there's more bodies like a lot of people say oh stalin was worse than hitler because he killed more people than him because he was around more he killed his own people but no one ever talks about like his own people like they're all like family or something give me a break Um, (laughs) This is a pro-Stalin podcast. Just kidding. Uh, I mean, not, too <laughs> not too much. Not too much. But um, but it led to a series of like murders that, if you could count all the murders that happened between the end of World War II to the end of the Cold War, uh, and, and that's being generous because we have more blood out of our hands after that too. But all of that was part of the cold war is just killing anybody who's like i want to use my resources to help my the poor of my countries and we're like nope we're killing you we're overthrowing you we're gonna get our guys in there they're gonna hook us up and we're gonna slaughter anybody who says one fucking thing against it so yeah we have we we have the media to, to make it so that we're correct the whole time too once the government does anything that free enterprise wants it to, they're in cahoots. It's a symbiotic exactly. relationship. So they're not completely separate. As somebody who works in the media is not a, an official government agent, but somebody within the government could go up to him and like, do you love your country? Do you not like, do you, do you not want everything to be taken away from you? will help your country. They recruited people in the media, and I still think they do today. And I don't know Definitely. if we've talked about this in our pod, this pod, or an older one, which we'll discuss later um, in a further date, our old pod. But it's all a part of Operation Mockingbird and the cultural Cold War. We recruited people to say, or the, the U.S. government to say whatever we fucking wanted because it was your civic duty. 
it's not anything suspect if you're trying to help your country. So uh, propagating misinformation or disseminating misinformation is fine within the Cold War context. But let's not get too sidetracked, Danny. And by that, by when I say we, I mean me, because I'm like, <laughs> anyway, you're just getting me riffing and roaring. But all right, let's talk about this Cold War, Danny. What What is the Cold War? Let's, like, what is this even? Like, I just think of like James Bond movies, a lot of fun, Russia, stealing photographs of like weapons or whatever, you know, nothing too harmful. And that is being savages. We're, we're being sophisticated during the Cold War. We're avoiding a World War III by doing some stuff right. that's technically crimes, technically international crimes. But let's put this into context. Well, I was going to say, would you consider, and I think, I think um, you know, the article you were mentioning earlier did a great job of talking about this. But the way that the U.S. contextualizes everything is sort of, hey, whatever, whatever to the untrained eye, it might look like we're doing something bad. But but what we're doing, actually, is we are preventing something even worse. So exactly how, how we can contextualize this is like, look, we might be doing some bad shit uh, in country and out of country. We might be doing a lot of drone strikes right now. But if China had their druthers, then the whole fucking world would be you know, a communist regime, or, or it would just be a totalitarian nightmare. Or if, if Putin had his way, then everybody would, he would reform gulags immediately, and we'd all be, and every gay person would lose all their rights, which we have always had here in the United States, and nobody ever had to fight for him. And it would be a big problem. So that's sort of how I think of the U.S. engaging yeah. in Cold Warfare. There's nothing really, and it's interesting that you kind of brought up the delineation between, you know, cold and hot war. A hot war just being like an all-out fight that everybody fucking knows is happening, World War Three style. But the Cold War, again, as you kind of astutely pointed out, is not really cold at all. If it's gotten to the point of a Cold War, there's already there's already been sort of um, bodies by the wayside. There have been, you know, casualties either in terms of sanctions or or politically or um, socioeconomically. So there's there's already been fallout from it. Imagine if like in World War, I mean, in the WWF, which I call it that, not the WWE, fuck that shit. But if instead of like, you know, you have the big rivals, let's say Undertaker versus uh, Stone Cold or The Rock versus Stone Cold, instead of them just having like, before they get to WrestleMania, where they just have the two heads fight each other, they're just having their minions like, Undertaker is having like his little what, what did they call him with Farouk and Bradshaw the acolytes they're having all the people who work for them wrestle each other but their matches are brutal and people are like breaking their legs passing out everyone's like <laughs> and all the while Stone Cold is like oh I'm eventually gonna fight you but you never get to bust a nut and watch the two big dogs fight they're just killing all the jobbers all the like weaker wrestlers are just getting killed in wrestling matches like the rock is like is like sneaking in like fucking barbed wire bats into the ring so that this motherfucker farouk beats i don't know who's a good i don't know this is a crazy wrestling <laughs> metaphor this is such a fucking great metaphor i was worried that it was gonna be too esoteric because it wasn't casserole related at all but i have no <laughs> wrestling knowledge and i'm like i am so fucking down with this you're getting me so hot and bothered to go watch the wwf stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh stone cold steve austin is like hey man i'm really invested in this x-pac versus i'm trying to think of one other like kind of shitty tommy dreamer somebody this is after ecw and he's like 
hey, X-Pac, here's what you do. Stab this guy in his throat instead of like just pinning him down. Then he's dead. That's what it would have been. It would have been so bizarre. Vince McMahon would have been doing some next level shit. But anyway, yeah. that's what world. That's what the Cold War was. Like There was like, oh, it's a Cold War. But meanwhile, everybody's dying in all these, in Vietnam and all these other countries or smaller countries. But anyway, so Danny... Let's let's try to get into the sort of historical context because we we've been kind of riffing and roaring, which is good. Which is good. I love all our juices, all our gastric. Danny, close your eyes, close your temporal eyes, and open my open, third eye. Open that mind's eye so that you can peep through the astral plane. I'm feeling it deep in my third chakra. <laughs> I'm I'm moving through um, now. Where are you taking me, Marcus? Imagine if you will, Danny. You just won the war for the entire world. But there's this other guy. There's this other fucking guy who also won the war for the world. Yeah, like you guys both. You guys were a team at first, but you never fucking liked this guy. You just did what you had to do. That The enemy of my enemy is my friend type of shit. But you're not happy about it. So you guys both won this war. But you won the war by inventing the most diabolical weapon in the universe to make sure you won a million times over. You've harnessed the power of the sun to win in the most fucked up way imaginable. But the other guy, so you were fighting, let's say it's a tag team match. No, I'm not going to do wrestling again. But (laughs) your team member that you don't really like did more than you by just throwing mass bodies, throwing bodies in front of bullets and bombs, just like saying, hey, these cats are going to run out of bullets and bombs if we just throw <laughs> yeah. our people. So they just threw their own people into the meat grinder. But that's how he helped you win that war on the first front. That's cool, but, but we you... could do it better, I think. Exactly. So that power you were given by mad science has made you think to yourself, I've made the worst weapon in the world to save the world. I should have the spoils of all the world as gratitude for me saving the world. I should rule the world since I saved it. I want the petroleum of West Asia. I want the fruit of Central America. I want the tin from South America. The palm oil from Africa. The minerals from all over. The treasure buried in the soil of the earth should belong to me. Because if not, they'd all be turned to ashes if I want. I could destroy everything if I wanted. So you guys should give me all the plunder. Since I saved your ass from complete apocalypse, I deserve it all. I am the king of the world now. Danny, that's you thinking this, not me. I can't even that's believe me. you. Boy, I'm a monster. <laughs> I fucking suck. <laughs> hey, you know. But maybe I have a point. Playing. I don't know. Right? Exactly. How, Danny, do you explain such a psychopathic stance after winning the war for the world that you claim save it? Like, how do you, how do you justify that, Danny? Just pretend you're that guy or you're that government. Well, here's what I here's what I would think. I would okay. So you know how earlier I was talking about um, sort of preventative measures, and you can contextualize anything to be like, look, this. I know this looks bad. I know we dropped not one but two bombs on Japan, even though they were like kind of fucking prepped to surrender. But yeah, like, can, can can you imagine if Japan had won? If I hadn't done this, if I didn't slaughter all these innocent people and create a series of fallout that was going to affect generations of Japanese people. Can you imagine 
what would have happened, it would have been so fucking bad. And as I'm laying there thinking this to myself, you know, rolling around in my satin sheets and whatever, I'm just like, if I prevented that, I could do like anything. And why aren't people more thankful? It's like, also, Pearl Harbor, like, you bombed that. <laughs> that was like super How- cool. I, like, I like the ship. What's what's your deal? Why would you fucking do that? Like, I yeah. How 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 dare Japan should have been nuked three times over. Generations should have been poisoned and mutated because Japan had the nerve to bomb a military base in a colonial fucking plot that we stole. How exactly. fucking dare they? We rightfully so- stole it. I thought the military stuff was off limits. We agreed on this. Yeah. Yeah. These guys, they were having a luau, you know, they weren't yeah, hanging exactly. out. They weren't doing yeah. nothing. They were not, they weren't prepped for war, but that is on their way to shore leave. You know, it's crazy. And, but, but then I think you would be like, what the best, the best possible option now, even though I, you know, created this kind of destruction on a scale never before seen is probably to kill is, is to build these things like as quickly as possible and to up military spending. Hey, if we didn't do this, the whole world would have been the rape of Nanking. These guys were savages. They would have done the same thing thrice over. And not only that, so, okay, that's how you justify the crimes that you did. But what about the crimes that you're about to do? The way that I think you would say that is by saying, the other guys who helped us win the war, they're the worst. Whatever we do is going to pale in comparison to what they are the living embodiment of Satan and they want to make us all slaves. So anything that we do is justified because if not, we're all going to the gulag. We're all, there's no more grocery stores. We're all getting rations of fucking turkey jerky and vodka and we're going to be living in misery. That's the way that you justify that. It's all, how do you not only do international crimes that are, you know, overthrowing governments, killing people, but you have to convince the the working stiff, the, the plebs in your own country that all your horrible crimes are justified because, hey, if not fucking the commissar is going to take your fucking brewski away from you, take away yeah, your exactly. pork loin, and he's going to yeah. give you some shit vodka. And, yeah, and he's going to give you a copy of, of Das Kapital to read, and he's going to bang your wife in the back room, and it's going to be terrible <laughs> exactly. for everybody. All the temperatures are going to drop 60 degrees. No more hot dogs. No more fucking anything. But you know what's anyway. so funny, Mark, is how effective that that line of reasoning continues to be. The boomers still have it with them, and a lot of them are unsavable. Um, so we yeah. have to be like, all right. I mean, we have to. We can't wait until they all die, but we have to really work on a propaganda that fights back against the the brainwashing, right. that, that, yeah, so that, that the generation's not so knocking on death's yeah, door. Exactly. Even Gen X, even my dad, who's technically Gen X, they have a lot of that stuff where it's like, oh yeah, you say that, but I mean. In Cuba, you fucking get, you could only get ha- a quarter of a chicken <laughs> to share with your family of five, stuff You'll like that. So You're going to get more conservative the older you get. You watch. Yes, sir. No, sir. Where do I go, sir? What do I do, sir? What do I say? The military decides what we're going to do and what our foreign policy is. And it doesn't have to be wars, wars, but the Department of Defense, the CIA, the Joint Chiefs of Staff all created 
in the beginning of the Cold War. 1947 is when they passed this bill that created all the things that we think are forever and it's always been there. This is all recent history. We have to think about how short the United States has existed relatively. You know, countries, nation states have existed for thousands of years. We've only been like, we're getting close to 300, not even really. But there's that aspect and the fact that our current system was created in 47, which is around where Larry David was born. Can you imagine our current system of an insane war state where we have a massive military budget, where we have over 800 military bases started in 1947? It's relatively short, but this is the world we're living now because these motherfuckers did this. They decided, hey, Let's create a forever war machine. Because before the Department of Defense was the Department of War, and it only existed when we we're in actual wars with nation states. So let's talk a little bit about the National Security Act of 1947, which was signed into law on July 26, 1947, on by our boy Harry the piece of shit Truman on the first Air Force One plane in history. So this is all the beginning of it. And he's like, let's do this thing. Let's create, let's rearrange our whole government. Little did our 33rd president realize he was giving birth to a multi-pronged war machine that would drain resources from the American public in order to keep the machine lubed, not only with oil, but blood to sacrifice to that yummy, tasty Don Cheadle war machine. The single piece of legislation created a military-industrial complex that would ultimately usurp much of the power of the chief executive. The 34th president, our boy Ike, would warn us about this military-industrial complex in his closing address. And then the murder of the 35th president, JFK, when he tried to reassert the power of the commander-in-chief. There, I said it, bombshell. JFK was killed because of the CIA and the Pentagon because he's trying to get out of Vietnam. And he was like, fuck it, Cuba's lost. They were like, no, 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 no. We got to get this thing going, bro. We got to get this blood and oil for this Cold War, bro. Get out of here. JFK, relatively to every other politician, he was cooler than than most, but he still kind of sucked until the Cuban Missile Crisis happened. For sure. That's when him and and Khrushchev were like, man, I don't want to be in charge. I don't want to be the guy who destroys the world. I don't want to be the guy who does a nuclear holocaust and we're all living Mad Max. And he started reeling how realizing how nefarious the CIA and the military was. The thing that made him great or potentially a savior kind of figure is that he kept on learning from his fuck-ups and he did many fuck-ups before he got killed. But each time he learned something for it and he distrusted the military more and more and the CIA. So yeah, just like us, like once you go through the looking glass, Alice, you start to change, brother. So back to the, the National Security Act. So the National Security Act created the national security council which is like you know like every time you see a a movie or like dr strange think about it where there's like a round table of the president and all the people who are like helping him decide if he's going to destroy the world or not that's the national security or obama with uh hillary watching and a bunch of other cats watching obama or (laughs) i wish no watching osama (laughs) get massacred that's the national security council the National Security Resource Board, the Munitions Board, 
the Research and Development Board, the Office of the Secretary of Defense, which would turn out to eventually be the Department of the Defense, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which is like a bunch of fucking evil generals, and last but not least, the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh-oh. So, yeah, the worst. Um, Nearly a year after the passing of this bill in Congress in June 18th, 1948, the Infant National Security Council approved the top secret directive NSC 10-2, which sanctioned U.S. intelligence to carry out a broad range of covert operations. Quote, unquote, propaganda, economic warfare, preventative direct action, including sabotage, anti-sabotage, demolition and evacuation measures, subversion against hostile states, including assistance to underground resistance movements, guerrillas, and refugee liberation groups, end quote. The CIA was... Yeah, right? That's a fucking broad range of power. Anybody not directly involved in our agency is fucked. We could do any kinds of crimes internationally, pretty much. (laughs) Our law in America is worth more than international law. law. Exactly. So the, the CIA was pretty much made into a paramilitary organization. George Kennan, who sponsored the NSC, and this is actually direct from the book that I'm reading now, which we could talk about, that could be its own thing. So George Kennan, who was like the the guy who sort of orchestrated the Cold War, but or the Cold War strategy, but he eventually was like, man, this shit got way crazy. Like the Cold War is insane. What we're doing is fucking off the rails. And by the time Reagan, he was alive when Reagan was president. And he was like, our foreign policy with Russia is like, unhinged this is insane like he was he's acting like reagan was trump but he started it he was sort of like a liberal cold warrior but he yeah. sponsored nsc 10 slash 2 he said later in the light of history that it was the greatest mistake i ever made since the law authorized violation of international law it also established official line as their indispensable cover which is what the media is for and yeah. any White House correspondent or any sort of a press conference, these cats could say, oh, I don't know about that shit. I don't know. That's got nothing to do with me because they have so many buffers that you can't t- make a direct link to the president. And that's why Reagan was uh, got to say, like, I had no idea that Contras were doing this stuff or that we were bringing crack. I, I, I believe in my heart of hearts. It's not a great Reagan. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's a good Reagan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, fuck that guy. But yeah, so this laid the foundations of our current system, whereas our president has, and I've definitely said this before on the podcast, a multiple choice option of what he can do. There's only so many things that he could do. Presidents do have power, but the CIA, the the war state is like, you could do this, this, or this. End all wars? No. Uh, No. You ever heard of this guy, JFK? It would be a shame if something like that would happen to you. He's such a smart young guy. We pretty much made... And that's why when I'm president and Danny's my vice president or secretary of state, whichever you want to be, Danny, our first point of action is to repeal the National Security Act because it is, what's the fucking worst act Bush did? It's the Patriot Act before the Patriot Act. Like, it's like, it was the first step, yeah, of just being like, oh, we're just going to have a military junta or have the mechanisms of a military junta if need be. We have our own 
government crime syndicate. So catch of this whole thing, the National Security Act and the creation of the CIA as a sort of paramilitary force was that nothing could be traced to government officials that would have to suffer questions from journalists or whatever. Any sort of organization to keep government officials in check wouldn't have to to deal with like answering questions. Because So not only does this create a paramilitary organization, but it created one that didn't have to get direct sort of permission from certain officials. They could assume, they could t- take clues, but they could do sort of fucked up things without asking direct like there's no chain of command where they could say this guy gave the okay because that's a part of the whole scheme is like hey i didn't know about this we just gave them permission to do whatever the fuck they wanted but i don't know you can't ask me any questions i don't know plausible deniability exactly exactly Exactly. That's why George W. Bush did for sure didn't just say, hey, let's let's fucking take down those towers. But he was like, I want to get into a war with Iraq and I don't care what the fuck you need to do to do that. Whatever happens, just fucking make it go. Yeah, exactly. And that's why CIA talked with their buddies in Saudi Arabia and Israel and they made some shit happen. All of that is speculation. But hey, I speak with the gods. I don't have to be beholden to quote-unquote facts this whole created like a a perfect storm of like a mafia slash terrorist group wing of the u.s government to work for international capital or u.s interests so this is what sort of got the cia to be autonomous from regular military organizations is because there's no direct chain of command so in order to protect the visible authorities of the government that created them they got to do this shit And in order to protect the visible authorities of the government from protest and censure, the CIA was authorized to not only violate international law, but to do so with as little consultation as possible. CIA autonomy went hand in glove with plausible deniability. That is direct from the unspeakable, JFK and the unspeakable, which I'll definitely, I'll do that as an addendum. I'll say the author's name. But yeah, so that's where we're going to get into this a little bit later. But I just want to say uh, one quote from, because Eisenhower warned about this, the military industrial complex, but his whole term was beefing them up. He made the, he gave them way more power than Truman did. It yeah. was sort of like passing the baton, but each time the baton got bigger and more unwieldy. But we didn't know, maybe Eisenhower was also very aware that he could have got the JFK treatment. So maybe he knew what he was doing was amoral. Maybe he thought he put it in the context as like, hey, I don't want to have another Korea War or Vietnam War. I just would rather the CIA do a bunch of fucked up coups and massacres. Overall, it's going to save more lives. But anyway, not that I'm excusing Eisenhower, but hey, I, I, don't, I don't know what went no. through his head. Yeah. yeah, maybe he was not a complete piece of shit. But anyway, Eisenhower said about the military industrial complex, Eisenhower said the conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, and even spiritual, is felt in every city, every statehouse, every office of the federal government. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. End quote. So 
Eisenhower was being pretty woke, but he was also like, all right, Kennedy, that's your problem. I avoided yeah, exactly. getting killed. That's not really my thing, but... Obama said some pretty gnarly stuff about Israel, but while having eight years of not doing anything but helping Israel, it's like, I think that's the presidential way. It's just to be like, I'm not doing shit to help it when I have power, but now that I'm out of power, this is what should happen. But yeah, anyway, yeah. bye. I'm going to go yeah. I'm gonna go golfing or uh, hang out with Richard Branson. That's yeah, somebody exactly. else's problem. <laughs> I'm going to go. But sorry, what were you going to say, Danny? No, I just have, I think it's, it's a great way to just to wrap up this part is a, a, for your quote, another quote that sort of just brings it back in more contemporary terms, in terms of just how wild the military uh, budget is. And there's a, a great article from Scientific American it's called It's Time to Rein in Inflated Military Budgets. It's by um, Elliot uh, Nagin. And I'm just going to read just a little excerpt here. And it says, if the Pentagon were a private corporation, which it effectively is, gross mismanagement would have forced it into bankruptcy years ago. In just the first decade of this century, in reference to the 2000s, the Pentagon was forced to cancel a dozen ill-conceived, ineffective weapons programs that cost taxpayers $46 billion, with a B. They included the Future Combat Systems Program, a fleet of networked, high-tech vehicles that did not work, the Comanche helicopter, which, after 22 years of development, was never built, and the 40-ton Crusader artillery gun, which never even made it to the prototype stage. And just to, because I feel like everybody always gripes about the military spending and the budget, which Biden is trying to up even a little bit more. But just to put it in context here, according to the Department of Housing and Urban Development, it would cost $20 billion to end homelessness in the United States. $46 billion was the Pentagon's that's fuck up money by Taco Bell money for them. That is not even <laughs> their, that's, that's fucking pocket change for them. And half of their whoopsie money could potentially end homelessness in the United States. Just, just for context. That, oh man, you got to text me that link. I'd like to read that whole article, but yeah, I'll, that's totally, to yeah. The Pentagon is like, and let's not forget, not that I'm trying to turn this to a nine 11 episode, but we can definitely do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like the day before, September 10th, 2001, there was like a missing, I don't know, I'm not sure if it was, it was probably in the billions rather than the trillions, but there was this big chunk of money that was missing in the Pentagon and Donald Rumsfeld had a speech where he's like, we're going to do more streamlined and more uh, smart spending that we're spending too much money. And where'd that money go? I don't know, maybe to start 9-11 and the new war on terror maybe that's where it happened or maybe they didn't want people to see they just blew it on like what you're saying like some fucking weapons that turned into dog shit so they yeah. had to do a giant distraction to justify them continuing to get money instead of them doing an audit or being like oh why the fuck are we spending all this money on this bullshit yeah uh, the, uh, the 9 -11 happened yeah, yeah exactly and i just like to oh. add real quickly Rotten hell, Donald Rumsfeld. You can suck up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Rest in power, Donnie, Donnie Rums, or Rummy, as we called him big, big in high Rummy, school. Big Rummy, as we like to say. Yeah. What a saint. A saint of Satan. But, <laughs> and real quick, uh, that was great. And we'll, we will continue. This is going to be a two-parter. But I will just say real quick, before the CIA turned into, like, the covert paramilitary, like, death squad they were they're in they, they did that because their intelligence gathering was shit they didn't find out about they were the last to know about north korea invading south korea during the korean war they had no intelligence that that was happening and then when Ru uh, the soviet union 
figured out the nuclear bomb themselves and they're like all right now you're not the only game in town they had no fucking clue so that's what they did the cia was fucked up at doing what their whole point of existing was which was gathering intelligence and decided all right we can't do that gathering intelligence in other countries is too hard let's just do all the bad shit that that we think they're gonna do and let's do it before them so that's what they and now they're really great at that they've done now the cia is like the puppet master they exist all over in different forms of government and media and private organizations but that's what they did they were like we can't catch these motherfuckers that's too hard let's just be the motherfuckers (laughs) let's do the bad things (laughs) to them before they do it to us so that's that's the cia's game that's the Pentagon's game and that's who's really calling the shots not the fucking president unless we get a president who you know was in the military and god willing let's get our own napoleon that's what we need in this all right so i guess that's the end of the first parter but all right yeah this is a good one this is the first part of uh i think i've decided on the title of this it's a simpsons ref natsec supermen are our superiors that's gonna be amazing i love it I'm all right yes for part two i'm just yeah and i'm glad because i did definitely did not do enough research for this to be a one and done i, I would have felt like you know like I'm, I'm 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 ripping off our our loyal listeners and myself right. so you're cheating you're cheating our beautiful sexy listeners we never wanted to yeah because this is essentially the origin stories of our biggest enemies which is the national security state this is this is uh magneto origins if that ever got off did, did they make that movie no it was wolverine and it sucked but anyway that's it for this episode we're going to continue talking about the cia and how sort of the old cold war paved the way for this new cold war and the the fact that these guys need people in the weapons industry and the pentagon and the cia need us to be in conflict all the time to justify their existence it's not a mistake and as what you said about the homeless situation they want people to be homeless as a fucking warning sign to you if you want to quit your job or something if you're like my job shit i'm gonna quit i'm gonna follow my dreams all of the things that suck in our society is because they want it to uh the military the cia they they exist to protect capital and people who are super rich and to keep a bunch of people in poverty so that they could more money for them. It's a tale as old as time. It's not new information. I know you a lot of you're saying is like, I already knew this. We're not trying to convert the people who already converted. We're trying to talk to everybody else. Stop exactly. being a slave. Don't be a slave. That's why you got to organize too. Exactly. And happy July 4th. This is our July 4th. God willing, I'll be able to end this all tomorrow and put this up by July the 4th. Every time you're blowing up those firecrackers, think about all the fucking mortar shells that we've dropped on unsuspecting people and how, you know, they might be triggered. If a refugee uh, from Syria heard firecrackers, they might be like, what is it? This is a celebration of your country? This is a horror show. This is just yeah. giving me flashbacks of how you guys are demons across the entire globe. So think about that when you're eating your fucking your bo- your beer boiled broths, goddammit. Or if you're not a humanitarian and you're some kind of monster, just think about all the dogs and cats and spooks. Just don't do it. But Fair play. this has been, thank you so much. This has been Right for Plunder. I am Danny. And I am Marcus. Take care. Happy July the 4th. Love you guys. Long live China, long live Russia, long live Iran. Once we we reach a thousand listeners, Danny, there's going to be a fucking target. We're going to be in their crosshairs, Danny. Well, we're going to get a statue erected of us, too. It's going to be sweet. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be... Yeah, exactly. We will be martyrs. Martyrs of... um, Danny, think of something good with martyrs. What are we going to be martyrs of? (laughs) 
Martyrs of Mayhem. Martyrs of Mayhem. Favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.